All right, guys, we, we couldn't leave you with nothing this week. We got an interview with Hannah Kulik from Chat Sports. Here's just a portion of the interview. We're going to be airing the rest next week, part two. So here's part one. It's a quick 10-minute pod. Um, yeah. All right. Here you guys go. Good day, Laker Nation. Welcome to episode five of season two of Lakers Unfiltered. Today we have a guest host, Hannah Kulik. Um, you can find her on Twitter at Hannah Kulik. Also, she is on Chat Sports on YouTube. Hannah, welcome to the Laker Lakers Unfiltered podcast. Hi, thank you guys so much for having me on. I'm so excited. Perfect. We, we, we're glad you're on. Uh, Hannah, so first question we want to get involved in is that uh, we wanted to ask you is, 20-3 and three so far this season. Is this real, or is this soft schedule? What do you think? Oh, man. I mean, it's pretty crazy. It's not a soft schedule. All the people up there, I just want to clarify. Everyone was saying, you know, yes, the Lakers have had these 10-game win streaks, these nice win streaks, but they're all against teams under 500. I think these last three games proved that we're just a really good team. I mean, it's hard you know, alone to beat, no matter what the other team's record are, to beat in Denver, to beat Utah, and to beat Portland. I mean, those are probably three of the hardest places to play in the NBA. And for us to do so, so, you know, easily, honestly, I mean, the Portland game, we completely blown them out. Utah, we blew them out. I mean, I just think it proves that we're a good team. 23 is pretty crazy. I don't think anyone could have ever predicted it, but I'm definitely very excited about it. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So, one thing we were talking about last week, and uh, we're going to kind of roast Jason a little bit here, is uh, me and Josh were talking about the little four game, you know, four games that we had last week, and we all predicted maybe three and one. Jay was thinking, you know, two and two. I was close. He was close. I was close. No, no. I was close. I was, I was one off. I was one off. Come on, guys. So looking at looking at looking at last week's games, uh, what was the most? What was the biggest highlight that stuck out to you? I just think that the fact that we were able, I mean, I know I keep saying this, but we're never able to win in Denver, like specifically, because that's just such a hard place to win, you know, no matter what their record is, but yet alone, at the time we played them, they were the second best in the Western Conference, so they're not only an elite team, a top team, but they're also playing better with the altitude. We were kind of coming back from that, you know, really disappointing Dallas loss. So that game in particular really stuck out to me just because we could have easily, I was very nervous because I was like, oh no, you know, it's hard obviously to win in Denver, but, and if we lose the second game in a row, what is the kind of culture attitude shift going to be? So it was so important, so crucial for us to win that game, to get back on this winning streak and to set the tone and to also just tell the rest of the league and all the haters out there that we're a really good team, not just that our, that our schedule's been soft. We can beat any team no matter where we are playing. So do you think that those teams are actually as good as their records are right now? You know, it's interesting because – I think Denver, they have got, they've got a lot of talent, obviously. And last year we saw they're the number one team in the Western Conference. And then obviously once the playoffs come, you know, it's a different story. So that's a good question because I think obviously regular season and playoffs is a completely different experience and completely different um, thing. But I, I do think that Denver is, is a really good team. Who do you think our uh, biggest threat is in the West? I 
have to go with the Clippers. I mean, I think no one can deny. I know right now their record isn't as good as it could be. Um, but obviously they've kind of been figuring out a lot of things and stuff. But I think it's definitely the Clippers. And I think when you look, I'm excited for that Christmas Day game to kind of just hopefully get our revenge on them because out of all the teams, you know, that we've played, they've kind of been our one Achilles heel and just that one team that really sticks in the back of me. But, you know, they've got Paul George, they have Kawhi Leonard, they have Lou Williams, they've got a really talented roster, obviously. Um, so I think definitely the Clippers, that's what's going to come down to in the Western Conference. Do you, do you think after that Bucks game, though, they were kind of exposed? I mean, the Bucks showed that length can kill that Clippers offense. And I think, like, us, especially, you know, really homing in on defense and uh, now knowing that if we put um, length out there that we can stop their offense from scoring, do you think that, you know, we'll go ahead, the Lakers will go ahead and take a page out of the Bucks book and do that and it should be a different game than it was the first game? Definitely. And, you know, the first game of the season was guardless, and there was so much hype around it. It was obviously very disappointing, but that was not clearly our best basketball. We went on to prove that we are a much better team than what we showed that first night, especially defensively. And I know you touched, um, you just mentioned the defense. When we lock down on defense, there's not a team that can beat us. I mean, Anthony Davis, Defensive Player of the Year, in my book, by a long shot. We also see LeBron really, really honing in on defense this season. He's really, you know, challenging the rest of the team to make defense a priority. And when the Lakers are playing lockdown defense, they can stop any team. They just have to be able to do it consistently. But we've seen these last few games, these last few impressive road wins, they really were great defensively. So, yeah, you don't see, like, the uh, – the uh, Dallas Mavericks being a threat to us at all? Okay. So Dallas Mavericks. Right now, Luca's just playing out of his mind. Yeah. I mean, he's playing. Dallas is a very good team, but Luca is truly an unbelievable talent. But I'm curious to see what they're like in the playoffs. Because I think when it comes down to it, the Lakers have, you know, LeBron is, you know, you know, obviously been very experienced in the playoffs. He's won a few championships. We have AD, who has playoff experience, who really shined in the playoffs. We've got a lot of savvy veterans who have that kind of final playoff championship experience. Like Danny Green, we've got a lot of these guys. And I think right now, you know, the Dallas may be playing really well in the playoffs, but I'm very curious to see how it kind of transfers over into the, sorry, they're playing very well during the regular season, but how it transfers over into the playoffs. Because, of course, Luka is so young, and I think when, when it comes down to it, just any team like this could potentially play, their veteran leadership and their playoff experience and their championship experience, I think is what is going to give them a major advantage. Yeah, very true. All right, so let's talk about this Rondo injury. Is that going to, like, be a big detriment to our next upcoming schedule? Or is it just kind of like, you know, whatever, because he's barely been here as, as it is? No, I think Rondo is pretty critical to this team, especially with Avery Bradley out, although he has been cleared for uh, full contact, but he's still listed as day-to-day. Um, obviously, Rondo, I believe, is really critical to our, our entire team just because there isn't another – playmaker that we have. You know, I know we have Quinn Cook. We've got a lot of guards. We have Alex Crusoe, but in terms of just that, like, 
pure playmaker, especially coming off the bench. Rondo was really excelling, and he was really helping get the offense flowing. So I think he is a huge part to this team personally. Um, so I'm hoping that this injury isn't something that's going to keep him sidelined for a while. It's frustrating because I feel like Rondo's, especially these last couple of years, we saw this last year when he played for the Lakers, you know, it's it's like he just can't kind of catch a break health-wise, and he's always kind of fighting these injuries. We saw at the beginning of the season with that calf um, last year, obviously, with the hand, and the Lakers really need him out there, so I'm hopeful it's not going to be able to keep him out for too long. I couldn't agree more. I think that Rondo is is quite crucial to this team and what they and what they do. Again, just with his ability to get to the rim, um, his ability to distribute the ball. I mean, he's a huge piece to this puzzle. And again, you know, when you have defensive players locking down on him or doubling down on him as he drives to the hole, that leaves so many other people wide open. And then we have you know LeBron and AD just sitting in the wings waiting for the ball. I mean, it's amazing. Well, and he's finally starting to make a three pointer. So. That's what I was gonna say. He has the green light for the three. So, and he's, been, he's shooting 50%, so it's like, man, that's a, I think that's a huge loss. No, he's been lighting it up from three lately. I've been, I mean, especially in the last few games, it's been, like you said, 50% from three. That's crazy, because Rondo's game is not really much of a score. He's always been that playmaker distributor, which is awesome, because the Lakers need, but, you know, with guys struggling like Quinn Cook and, um, you know, some of our other three-point shooters and stuff really struggling to be consistent, Having Rondo really step up and be able to knock down that three has been crucial. So, you know, everyone's talking about LeBron James being like the lead for the MVP. How come we're not mentioning Anthony Davis in any of that? He's doing it on both ends more than LeBron is. Okay, so I kind of have, I can understand where right now AD is playing out of his mind. I mean, obviously, but especially from that defensive end. I mean, in my eyes, like I said earlier, I mean, he's defensive player of the year, hands down, no question about it. No one's even, you know, maybe Rudy Gobert, but that's so, so far behind him. Yeah. I think AD's for sure defensive player of the year. And I think LeBron, if you're going to give LeBron the MVP advantage over AD, it's just because purely. You know, LeBron has had to adjust his game this season. You know, when he's done so, when he's embraced it, he's been more of that playmaker, distributor. He's leading the league in assists. Um, he's obviously the leader of assists for this Lakers team. He's really buckled down on defense, which has not necessarily been his forte throughout his career. And he knows that this is such an important season, and he's really been able to adjust his game and kind of do whatever it takes to make this team the best it can be. And I think him doing that and taking that leadership and saying, you know, I've even had to adjust. I'm doing things differently. I'm making sure AD is the focal point. I think that is why people are giving him that side advantage over AD and MVP. But honestly, I mean, AD could easily win it as well. He's playing out of this world, and I think he's only going to get better as the season continues. Yeah, I, I just see Anthony Davis more on the MVP side because – he's the reason that LeBron's playing better defense. He's the reason that LeBron's leading the league in assists. Like he, without Anthony Davis, LeBron wouldn't be trying this hard. Like he's like, he is this year. No, that's true. Yeah. With that, yeah I mean, I said, I said it last week, you know, and Jay was like, wait for MVP. And I was like, yeah, I mean, all around. <clears throat> Sorry guys. He's the best player in the league right now. Um, all around. And I think sometimes we tend to overshine 
the MVP because like the MVP should be all around unless you're going to do like how football does it and say like offensive MVP, defensive MVP, but it's not. They do all around MVP. And sometimes I think the NBA or like the voters choose to give it to somebody who's more dominant in scoring, not necessarily an all around good basketball player, but a dominant scorer. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, I don't know. I would like to, what'd you say? It's normally about all the offensive numbers, never really the defensive numbers. Exactly. So I would like to see it be a true MVP. Like, I think Anthony Davis could be that first true MVP that you've seen in a while. Because, I mean, when, um, you know, it's it, when they when they hand out the award, it's somebody who's either really good at defense and okay at offense or really good at offense and okay at defense. It's never both. So... I would like to see it be, you know, him win it because then it'll be a true both, somebody that's a good scorer as well as a great defender. Mm-hmm. No, seeing well, AD is definitely both. <laughs> oh yeah, can't you know? Can't argue that. Now, seeing as we have both of those players on our team, do we have the best duo in the league? 